What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Paul, about A.D. 52-53, uh, would cover the whole thing. <clears throat> That's very important to the things spoke about within the letter because the time frame uh, dealing with the world events of the day are very important in understanding the issues that the church had um, and some of the other writings. And if we do not understand that, of course, we have some trouble. Also, last week, we uh, made a, a, a little study of the pronoun issue once again. I hope that was useful to you, um, because without that understanding and
understandability, we're going to have a lot of trouble understanding here. But this is lesson number three of Second Thessalonians, and we're in the second chapters, the second chapter uh, studying verses 1 through 17 in this chapter. And we just really got into that, that chapter. But we're making a very close examination of the first four verses in this chapter. That's where we left off last week. And we're going to be dealing with the two uh, subjects that uh, are part of, of this verse um, as far as the, the apostasy and the man of sin. Uh, those are events which must precede the parousia. Now, the parousia is the event. Parousia is the, um, the uh, presence of Christ at the end of the age. And of course, we're talking about the, the Jewish covenant age. That's what the Bible's talking about, so that's what we should be talking about. Not the end of the world, as most of Christendom is dealing with very, in a very confusing method. So we're looking at a lot of history here. Yeah, to those, it felt like the end of the world. It certainly did. So it was a <laughs> it was an event, uh, not only spiritual but the physical event itself of the destruction of the first covenant. Re rebellious Jews against God was enormous, and the entire Jewish economy, their whole culture. Yes, it's a, yeah, it's a heavy. Heavy, heavy, uh, some heavy history. That's right. That's not how wars have been fought in in our uh, lifetimes, where we go in and the the aggressor is rebuilt and pampered and no, no. The, the, the end of the covenant meant that all that had been was now gone, and a new covenant was in place. The Romans uh, uh, had a little different system talking about their conquered people. And we've dealt with that subject a number of times. Well, what I'm going to do, and again, it's caught up in, in our reading, verses 1 through 4. Um, and this is Young's literal translation. He does, a, I think, an excellent job of translating this. Um, and... You have to be careful and you have to be uh, mindful of what's being said. Remember, uh, this is a letter written to someone else that had previous information. We had a lot of previous understanding, but was just being uh, re was being informed once again and brought up to speed, if you will, uh, dealing with some of the problems that they had or questions. So this is what the Apostle Paul, through the Spirit of Christ, is writing to these people for their, not, not to punish, not simply to, to correct uh, or discipline, but to edify, to help, 
to bring true understanding, to demonstrate the truth of, of something. That's what the scriptures do. Uh, it, it's not the judgmental issue. Uh, judgments are always proclaimed and they're, they're defined and the reasons why and all. And it, it's a small part of it. Um, all through history, it's the understanding of the truth that we really needed and that God has went uh, way beyond what it would thought be considered fair. We, uh, we write so that you may know. That's right. And as, as you'll remind you again, when we start the second chapter, the antecedent for the pronouns, unless you find a you or a, or a your uh, or you all, that sort of thing, um, the antecedent is the apostolic ministry, the apostles. And they are, of course, representing Christ. So when we run across it in, in the uh, chapter after chapter and verse after verse, we have to be aware that the we is not the we in a general sense of we being every living, breathing human uh, at that time and even now. So we have to be very discriminating that way. So let's read it first, and then we'll deal with the issues this morning, hopefully. <clears throat> Begins this way in, in the first verse, second chapter of Second Thessalonians. And we beseech you, brethren, in regard or concerning to the presence, that is the, the parousia is the Greek word, of our Lord Jesus Christ and of our gathering together unto him. All these pronouns are first person plural. Uh, not including anyone outside of the apostolic work. That you be not quickly shaken in mind, nor be troubled, neither through spirit, neither through word, neither through letters, as, as through us, as that the day of the Christ have arrived. Now, in the first two verses here, I want to express the, the idea here. There's, uh, because of this gathering together at the Prusia of the living apostles that we studied in 1 Thessalonians, to meet Christ in the air as he brings those uh, they will not precede those that are dead in Christ or dead, uh, the righteous dead will be raised first. And then the gathering to, to meet Christ as far as the apostles go, and that's what he's talking about here. Um, there was a thought apparently that this, somebody had been saying that this had already occurred because he's making making sure that that they're that they're not shaken by any report, whether it had been written, uh, spoken, 
uh, or even a letter that supposedly had come through them and from them that the day of Christ, and that is the parousia, hath arrived. And this is the reason why that follows in, in the verses 3 and 4. This is how he explains it to them. He reminds them of this. Let not anyone deceive you in any manner, because if the falling away or the apostasy may not come first and the man of sin be revealed, the son of destruction, who is opposing and raising himself up above all called God, or worshipped, so that he, in the sanctuary of God, as God, has sat down, showing himself off that he is God. The day hath not come. These, in other words, uh, and that's the end of the passage, the day doth not come until these things have been accomplished until they're seen and known. What were those two things? The apostasy and the revelation uh, or the revealing of the man of sin. That people would know his name. Okay? Now, the issues that we must understand before we can deal with this idea of the parousia um, at this point, in A.D. 52-53, uh, we're talking about an event that is still in the future to these people. But it's also in their future, in some of their futures, depending on their age and, and uh, other circumstances that may befall them. Remember, persecution was was on the increase uh, in, the, in, in these days and it didn't get any better. So there were lots of reasons uh, they needed to know this and of course this was to be taught to those that came into their congregation within the, brother, the brotherhood there in the churches. These were things that they knew that they were expecting uh, to soon happened. Why? Because of the language, because of all the references, the time statements, the, the, the logical conclusions that we draw from it, to know that it, these things have occurred. The issues must be understood. What apostasy is spoken of? Okay, what that that's a point that I find in my studies. Many people are um, very confused as to far as to what apostasy is being spoken about here. Is it the Jews were apostate to their religion? Was it some other apostasy in the pagan world? Uh, or is would it be? about the only subject the New Testament is speaking about. That is, the religion of Jesus Christ. That's, it was known as the way. The people became to be known as Christians. Um, those uh, that were in Christ. 
belonging to Christ. That's the religion of Jesus Christ. That is the only apostasy that's being spoken about here. And we went over that two weeks ago. We went over that apostasy. And in Matthew 24, if you didn't write these verses down, I'll give them to you again. Matthew 24, uh, verses 10 through 12. And then in 1 Timothy, we've, we read about it in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. 2 Timothy, uh, first chapter, 15th verse, and the third chapter, verses 1 through 9. Just to give you an easy start, there was a falling away, an apostasy uh, of the religion of, of Christ, Christianity, if you will, in the first century. And it's called a great apostasy. And there were lots of elements that, that brought it about. Uh, false teachers, uh, false prophets, uh, persecution, uh, cultural things from every direction that came at them. By the way, in all of, in most of our Bible uh, translations, we find that um, that statement um, there at the end of verse 4, uh, the day hath not come, and uh, it's phrased differently in different ones, is not in the original. What, it, what that is, that is a necessary inference. Is, is how we look at that. Uh, it is from the text, from the context, that is the conclusion, that there are two things that must occur before the parousia, before the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, at the end of the age. That's the covenant Jewish age. So these things are are put into their history uh, as, as the future things that must occur. They had not happened in, in a full-blown way yet. And we'll look at, as, as we read on in this, we'll find uh, some more things concerning that in the verses uh, that are coming. So there, the great apostasy spoken of, those falling away from the religion of Jesus Christ, Christianity, that was going to happen. Secondly, the man of sin was going to be revealed. And everyone wants to know who is this man of sin. But we know one thing. He is going to be revealed. That means people will know about him. They'll know his name. He's active. He's legitimate. And he's doing the things that are going to be described in the text here coming up. And all of this is going to happen before the parousia. And uh, I might say that as far as the man of sin goes, many names have been submitted uh, that I have read through the years. Many names. Uh, and of course, Lots of folks feel that this man hasn't even been revealed yet, if they're futuristic in their thinking, although uh, history uh, should 
show clearly otherwise. I believe it, it, it does. But only one name is going to be right. And this man of sin is not named, but he's described. And not only that, that that who that is holding and, and holding this back from being revealed uh, is also not named, but but certainly described um, in light of this. Remember, these people lived within uh, the conquered world of the Roman Empire. When when you when they thought of power, the first thing they came into their mind was was Rome, was Caesar, um, and the ruler of the Roman Empire at that time. And they cha- that changed hands, of course, a number of times in a, in a most violent way, as a rule. Nonetheless, that was the power. Now, there was pagan gods and this, this sort of thing, but just like other people, even today, when people think of power, they think of the heads of state. Wherever, they're, wherever they might be from. But I think one issue in the reading of these first four verses, that one issue that I have been stressing upon, uh, that really has been confirmed um, that the apostles will be with the Lord in the Perusia event. I think that that is, this makes it clear that um, when this actually happens, um, there'll be other things. It'll be a known situation. And um, what's happening at the time, at the time this letter's written and before, is that they've been, they're being told things that are not true. An untruth about the fact that uh, Jesus, the presence of Christ, has already occurred. All that's over, and they wondered where where that left them. But you see, these things, other things, needed to happen first. That would be the evidence they needed to know the legitimate time. Now, anything? Why is it that he is concerned? about how they feel about this because he wants them to know when this really does occur when this does occur they will know that the time is 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 right not only that they'll know the things that have been accomplished um, for the prusia to happen they will hear of the the destruction of the jewish people their religion their city their temple, their entire and total um, economy, as it's known in a general word. But that is set aside for the new kingdom that is spoke about uh, all through the Old Testament. And they were aware of this. So it's 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 very clear that there is going to be Christian people after the Prusia still left that are going to be dealing with the things concerning the religion of, of Christ 
Jesus in the world, the churches, if you will, the assemblies, the brethren, there will be brethren left. But remember, through persecution and uh, the destruction from the Romans and the Jews, uh, many, many, many uh, Jews and many, many Christians were killed during this time period. But there are those, of course, that, that, that survived, as we know. Now, um, let, you, go ahead. Just, uh, my first, uh, uh, my initial reaction to the, to, in verse 4 here, and, and who this man of destruction is, it, it always, I keep going back to Daniel and what the Lord said in Matthew 24 about 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 Daniel's uh, prophecy coming to fulfillment and that's right standing in the holy place am i on the right track there yeah you're on the right track the uh, the first dream of Nebuchadnezzar where where he saw the statue that with the golden head and the and the silver chest and you know all the empires uh four of them the last one of course uh, and by the way, even Josephus, when, in, when he wrote his things, Josephus recognized that last em, that last emperor, that last uh, uh, world uh, government to be the Romans. He recognized it. So this isn't something that was hidden from anybody. Uh, it was recognized. Um, so. It was at that time, you see, that's the time period, friends. And that is the only time period that these things can occur. We go to Matthew or uh, Daniel chapter 12. We find the time period that he's talking about. Um, and then in the second chapter, I believe, is where we're dealing with this, uh, the dream, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, uh, that troubled him. Daniel explained it to him. And Nebuchadnezzar believed him. Although almost all of it, except for the head of gold that was represented his kingdom, um, everything else was future. But during the, the time of that last kingdom, that is the Roman Empire, God would would create, uh, would would cut out of a mountain without hands, a kingdom that would never pass away and never be, never be given to anyone else. And that, of course, is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, if you will. This is what Daniel, and Daniel saw many things representing that time period as the chapters roll out in, in his writing. Uh, we, we have that study on online from the first chat from the first word to the last word in that book uh, quite a uh, comprehensive one and some other things available charts and things that were made during that time but that's an important book and remember that book was certainly known by the Jews in the time period we're dealing with here and by the world it was there to read there to study there to understand and some did. Many did in, in many ways. 
So this is time period. Uh, there can be no other time period. That's why we're so adamant about this. Um, and it causes so much confusion when we try to delegate all of these things into some future time and it leaves us wondering, these people, everything they were dealing with, none of it ever came to, to pass, according to the, the uh, Christendom today in the futuristic look of the end of the world. We don't know anything about the end of this world, the physical world, the universe, or whatever. We don't know anything about it. Why? Because it's not written in the scriptures. God's speaking of people. People's governments, people's religion, people's beliefs, their actions. That's what the Bible's about. It's not, it's not about the cosmos. The cosmos are, are given uh, just brief words to, to, to tell you that God created them and put them there. And uses them for his purposes, mostly to show you that, as we all know, friends, we didn't do that, and we know our neighbor didn't do it, and none of our governments will do it. So, as we move verse by verse, we're going to get more information on this, and maybe we can make a decision, and I have... Uh, I'm going to read you a little bit of description from the, the book The Perusia by Stuart Russell. Uh, he has uh, written out a, a nice list of a description concerning the man of sin. And we'll be dealing with the man of sin today. We've dealt with the apostasy before. But in verse 5, now, and we're going to be reading from the Young's Literal Translation. Uh, and it says this. Remember the first four verses that I read. Now he says this. Do ye not remember that being yet with you, these things I said to you? So this wasn't something all new. <laughs> and there was a, had been a letter sent beforehand that dealt with these issues too. Um, and this gives us a real time statement. This is what the context of the scripture is all about. That's part of the context that tells us what's going on here. Verse 6. Um, well, in verse 5, let, let's just understand. It is certain that they remembered the teaching from the apostle. Maybe not completely, obviously. Uh, maybe some of the things that were still questionable, maybe they didn't remember quite everything, but they do remember that he spoke of these things. Teachings from the apostle concerning both these things and, and the things that must occur before the day of the Lord. That is, the parousia, the event. And, you know, the word parousia is a, really means a, a, visit, a visitation from a dignitary. That, that's how it's, uh, it's given. Um, 
it's not just a general uh, coming and going situation. It is a event, and this is an event. That's why it's called the Day of the Lord and and um, and other phraseology. But in, even looking at this verse in mainstream Christendom, the fact is that they are still waiting for these two things. That is the apostasy and the man of sin to be revealed. They're still waiting. And of course some are, are not waiting. Some have, um, some have come to this uh, conclusion that these things have occurred. Um, but when it comes to the man of sin, uh, they would like it to be somebody they don't like in this world right now. So they'll pick a, a number, a name out of the hat here, and we got a lot to pick from. Uh, if you looked at the writings of Christendom back in the the 1940s, you'll find that Adolf Hitler was indeed the revelation of the man of sin. What was he doing? Killing Jewish people. <laughs> Everything fit, except it didn't, did it? It didn't fit. The other things weren't there. Instead of apostasy of the Christian faith, the Christian faith was was increasing by by record numbers all over the world at that time period. So uh, this is what happens when we don't understand the Scripture. That's why the Apostle wrote these letters, so we would know. All right. Um, We're, we're looking at this in, in a way that, um, let's just consider what we've been talking about here. We've spent time last week learning about the great falling away. We know that. AD, uh, and I believe that really began in earnest, in a big way. It was a known fact, could be seen and felt everywhere. Uh, by AD 62, 63, it was really in full force. It was going to get worse, but that uh, that was the time period. Now, during that time period uh, of AD 62-63 and on, um, that, those were during the days of the Emperor Nero in Rome. And it, the, Nero was very displeased with the Jews and the Christians, and he considered Christians to be a sect of the Jewish faith uh, because Christianity came from the Jewish covenant people, from God, as promised, I might add. So, now, let's look at a, a scripture that kind of confirms this a little better. A, a much later writing Matter of fact, the writing is about 62-63 by the Apostle Paul, very soon, uh, uh, very close to the uh, the war beginning in Jerusalem. Second Timothy, one of the last letters written in the Scriptures. Second um, Timothy, chapter four.
First, uh, start with verse one. <clears throat> I do fully testify then before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is about to judge living and dead at His manifestation and His reign. Oh, by the way, this is all that we're talking about here. The about to judge. This is the parousia. We read about it in Second Thessalonians chapter one. This is, not, this is a reoccurring issue uh, in the apostolic writings. Why? Because it was part of the about-to-be time frame that they lived in. Jesus is the judge, as it says in Acts 17. God has given him this, this responsibility. So he goes on to say to Timothy, Preach the word, be earnest in season, out of season, convict, rebuke, extort, and in all long suffering and teaching. For there shall be a season when the sound teaching they will not suffer, but according to their own desires, to themselves they shall heap up teachers, itching in the hearing. And indeed from the truth, the hearing they shall turn away, and to fables they shall be turned aside. And thou, watch in all things, suffer evil, do the work of one proclaiming the good news of thy ministrations, make full assurance, for I am ready, for I am already being poured out, and the time of my release hath arrived. The good strife I have striven, the course I have finished, the faith I have kept, henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of the righteous that the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me in that day, and not only to me, but also to all those loving his manifestation. Back to the Prussia, back to the, the time when every Christian will meet that righteous judge uh, because the kingdom is in place. At, at the, uh, the Perusia. And he goes on with more instructions. I believe that the great apostasy was the first century, was a first century event. Not, not to mention Demas in verse 10, who had already uh, forsook him for his love for the present age. Yeah, oh yeah. Names are named here in these writings. Uh, and as we know, in uh, Timothy, that's the, for the phrases that all in Asia Minor have deserted me. All in Asia have uh, left me. That's what the apostle said, except for. And then, of course, uh, the ones that were still faithful to him. But uh, the, the, there was an enormous falling away, friends. But you see, this is A.D. 62, 63. Um, a decade away from the writing of in Thess to the Thessalonian church. A lot can happen in a decade. Don't we know that? Well, so, can anybody tell me what good all of these things being in their future, the church in Thessalonica, what good would knowing about the about an event two thousand years from there 
from their day? What what kind of uh, what would they have to gain in their troubles and things that they would were enduring and were about to endure more? See, that's the logical conclusion that we're looking for, uh, and that's what it takes. You got to realize. <laughs> It, it wouldn't have been spoken about in these terms. Um, there would have been other things that they could have been doing um, uh, that would have been even more productive, but this was the event. This is something that had to occur. This was all part of bringing the gospel news into the world and giving the world a chance. Uh, before the end of the kingdom. Now, that's God's promise to the Jews. He did not give up on them for 40 years after they killed the Messiah. They still had opportunity through the gospel, through Christ, the Messiah, to find their way back to God. So, that opportunity 50 days later. they did, all the way through. Now, here's what happens today with this idea of apostasy. We Many disclaim that we're living, uh, we have apostasy constantly. Well, that's a, now of course that's true. But we're not talking about the falling away uh, of certain some people in, in a certain time period for certain reasons whatever problems they may have. Yeah, this falling away, that is not a verb. That is a that is a noun. Yeah. The falling away. The right. apostasy. Yeah. And and you know, not everyone that falls away, and here's the the danger of the falling away. That's why I like the word apostate better. Because it's yeah. a separation. Falling away. Um or shipwrecked even, mm-hmm. uh, but it, when you're you can be you can fall away and be restored. Yeah. You can make a decision of, of on your own to to depart, but you can come back if you if if you know in your heart if your heart is right, mm-hmm. you can be re- restored. So. My my point is that this is Paul was talking about a specific one, a specific event, a specific thing happening, no, noted by the article. That's right. uh, do we have apostates and apostasy t- today? No, absolutely, we yeah. do. Uh, walk outside and turn the corner. Yeah, you'll find someone. We do, and, and some are very vocal about it. Yeah. Uh, most aren't, but uh, and and most of this is just a drifting away. A laziness, if you will, uh, concerning their faith, their responsibilities, uh, because the world is wearing them down. Now, that's a different thing. The church is here to help those back, to help them back into the, the, uh, to the assembly, back into the, the brotherhood, if you will. But apostasy is a much different thing. And you can read about apostasy in, in Hebrews chapters 6, chapters 10. Read, read those chapters, and you'll find what true apostasy brings. 
it's one phrase I can remember well is is um, walking through the blood of Christ without any concern about it. That's that's a concept. That's an attitude. Okay, that's apostasy. Someone that's just falling away doesn't hate Christ, doesn't hate God necessarily. So we we have that issue. We're not talking about that. We're talking about it, uh, this thing now. While we still got just a little time, I want to read what Stuart Russell has written about this man of sin. Who was he? Well, I believe that first century history first century history makes it clear. The nature of this man is described in Scripture, and um, you can read it for yourself in, in this chapter, verses 5 through 17. But Stuart Russell put together a little um, description, if you will. He says this, Let us now turn to the description of the man of sin given by the apostle and endeavor to discover, if possible, whether there... Uh, whether there was any individual then existing in the Roman Empire to whom it will apply. Now here is the descriptions as uh, written out by Stuart Russell. This is not the Bible. This is his writing concerning it. This description requires that we should look not for a system or abstraction, but an individual, a man. I think that's fair. He is evidently not a private, but a public person. The powers with which he is invested imply this. He is a personage holding the highest rank and authority in the state. He is a heathen and not Jewish because of certain aspects here. He claims divine names prerogatives in worship. He pretends to exercise miraculous power. He is characteristic, he is character, characterized by erroneous wickedness, an enormous wickedness. He is the man of sin, i.e., the incarnation and embodiment of evil. In other words, evil is, is the counterfeit of, of what God has intended. He is distinguished by lawlessness as a ruler. He has not yet arrived at the fullness of his power when the apostle wrote, there existed some hindrance or check to the full development of his influence. The tenth thing in this list, the hindrance was a person and was known to the Thessalonians and would soon be taken out of the way. Now, who was the ruler of the Roman Empire during the time of this letter? It was Claudius. And believe it or not, Claudius was holding back the, the ruler that was coming. Even though it was his, um, uh, he had trained this person. Uh, but if you want to read about these things, there's lots of things written about the characters 
the character of these empires, uh, emperors of Rome. And Claudius is the one that's, that's, uh, that should be described here uh, in this, in the, the one holding or the hindrance to the man of sin. The lawless one, the man of sin, was doomed to destruction. He is the son of perdition whom the Lord shall slay, as you'll remember, by the breath of his mouth. Now that's a description of of the word, if you will, the power of the word from heaven. His full development or manifestation and his destruction are immediately to proceed the parousia. The Lord shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming. You understand this? When the Lord, when the presence of the Lord is is known as the parousia, the the brightness of this, the the entire event of the end of the Jewish age uh, is a, is a destruction note, if you will. And we know that the person that um, that's mentioned here died right at that time period. Now, who could that be? Well, I'll give you a little hint. It's the empire, it's the emperor, or the Caesar, Nero. His reign was from AD 54 through 68. And 68 puts his death, by the way, his death was... Uh, by assassination or suicide, no one can really tell because <laughs> everyone was trying to kill him and he was trying to kill himself also. At, at, at this particular time, he had completely ravaged his own empire and he was uh, destroyed. Okay, AD 68, right in the middle of the Jewish war, right when... When uh, Vespasian, General Vespasian, and his son Titus, the general, were in, were at Jerusalem, ready to take the city after they had done much much to get there, that was the time when Nero was destroyed. So that'll get us a little further down the road. Um, now you know. If you take these descriptions, you'll find trying to you know, many people trying to put other names, attach them to this. But you know that time period keeps coming back. That time period, and with Nero dying in AD 68, that just makes it absolutely perfect for the the, the Prussia. When was the the presence of the Lord in in Jerusalem? That's just about the exact time. We don't know the day or the hour. Uh, we only know that it occurred. And there were, there were people that were there when it happened. Uh, a lot of things happened in Jerusalem uh, during that time period. So, from next week we'll pick up in verse 5 and go through 17 and deal with these things. Um, and um, maybe fill in or answer a few questions uh, that may arise before that concerning this.
but I greet you a good day today, and I hope these things have been informative and will help you along in this, um, because this is a real presentation and a real teaching that we should have for the church so that we know where we're at. We, and how, how does it affect the faith in Christ today? How does it affect Christianity now, knowing or, or dealing with things in the manner that we're laying them out here? Does it make it invalid or void? No, I don't believe so. Because we've got scriptures that, that teach us otherwise. But I guess, um, I think Jesus said it, the truth shall set you free. And freedom comes in a lot of ways. Freedom from being ignorant, misinformed, uh, living a lie and all of these other things. We can have lots of freedom, but friends, freedom in Christ is so much more than important than even worrying about living in the tyranny of one man's government here or there or someplace. It's meaningless next to freedom in Christ because that's truly free. Can't be touched by the world by the man of by uh, sinful men in any way uh, false religions or whatever you have so let that be our word today and we pray that you have a blessed week to come please join us next week as we continue in this study and we pray all of this today in the blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ amen Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.